forward to this. Uh, this is a message it has been on my heart. We're, we're on the family, pitfalls in the home. Say, I'm about tired of it. Well, uh, that's where the Lord has me. And uh, uh, that's where the battle is raging in, in our country and in the world today, is to destroy the family, any semblance of the family or correct family structure. And uh, as we're going to learn this morning, there is an oppressor. And his job, he's an adversary. The Bible has identified uh, this being, which is a person, as Satan. And his job is to destroy and to off, uh, go against anything God has created and said was good. And so one of those areas is the family and children. Now, what I don't want you to do uh, with this message as uh, maybe parents who are empty nesters or grandparents is to think I'm taking a shot at you, uh, and like as in you should have known uh, what I'm going to talk about today. That's not the purpose of this. This is a purpose. I, I wished I knew some of this uh, 30 years ago uh, when I was raising my children. This is something that's come out through uh, ministry and, uh, and study, deep study into the Word of God and what is going on in families. And then also comes about when you begin counseling with people, and I'm not referring to anybody in this church, and I want you to understand that, but other folks that may have been associated with the church or may not, but young people who um, would sit in bondage to a sin or a vice, knowing that it was wrong, but be in tears because there was no peace, there was no comforter, and they were being controlled by something. They did not know what it is, and it was forcing them or, or allowing them or they give them a craving, and it was just literally destroying their lives. So uh, this got me into the Word of God as I began to study. I'm not the only person that uh, has seen this and begin to preach and teach on it. There's other men that's greater than me, smarter than me, that has written books on the subject. Men like Kerry Schmidt, who pastors a church there in Connecticut, and he's wrote a number of, of good books. And uh, the, the book, uh, one of the books that kind of goes along with what I'm uh, preaching on, which is some of the inspiration for the messages that I preach, is uh, Hook, Line, and Sinker. And where he literally gets into what is going on in the family and how the devil uses certain lures, artificial lures. We, I'm a fisherman, and I, I like to use artificial lures, but Satan will use allurements to hook people. And once he has them hooked, he begins to reel them in. And his purpose is to destroy lives. I'm trying to prevent that to this next generation. If you look around, uh, the children almost outnumber us. And so this message is really geared towards the younger families and families that still have children that's growing up, but also grandparents. Uh, you, uh, hearing the message, maybe can take some of this uh, biblical knowledge and wisdom and be able to help your children. Maybe they don't attend church here. Maybe where they're at, they're not getting this level of, of teaching and preaching, but you might be able to help them uh, as they raise their children on what to look out for and the pitfalls to avoid and why is we need to better prepare our children as they enter into what I call the danger zone, which is the ages of 17 to 27. Many times children or as I would like to say, uh, young folks, in those years, they will make decisions that will affect the course of their life for the rest of their life. And if they make the wrong decisions, or they're not aware of an enemy that is trying to manipulate them and trying to destroy them, they will make bad decisions, poor decisions, or wrong decisions that they will have to live with for a very long time. And that's why today sometimes people that get saved later in life, it's really hard just to turn everything around just like that. Because you've set certain things into motion. And it's going to take a while. Your life is like a ship. And a large ship, now you can picture yourself as a, 
as a cruise ship, and maybe that's part of your problem, you think life's all about a pleasure cruise, uh, maybe you would like to picture yourself as a battleship. Uh, but either way, it's not going to turn on a dime. And, and what you need, it, it has a rudder, and it's going to take a long time to turn that thing around. Now, you might have heard me, if you've talked with me or counseled with me, say, uh, if you're in a reset, yeah, or some of you might have heard me say that, hey, you're in a reset situation. Now, one way to turn a ship very quickly is if it's in the dock, and you would have something called tugboats, and they will literally turn that ship on a dime, and you can turn it a lot quicker. If you're in a reset, you need to be very careful how you proceed, or you'll repeat the mistakes of the past, and then you'll be a person who lives in a constant state of recycle. Rinse, repeat, recycle. And the devil, he's just having a heyday with you. So I'm trying to help us as parents, grandparents, young families, to avoid this pitfall in our homes. So let's get some scripture. I will be in Ecclesiastes 4. But then we'll go to 1 John chapter 4. We'll be predominantly in those two uh, references today. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 1. Let's read two verses of Scripture. Then we'll pray. And then we'll talk about, the Lord will allow me, preach on this subject. On a life without Christ is meaningless. Verse 1, he says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears, I was just talking about that, of such as were oppressed. And they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. But they had no comforter. Wherefore I praise the dead. This is a pretty dire situation where you're wishing to be dead. Which are already dead more than the living which are yet alive. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us today. Help us to learn how to avoid this pitfall in our home. It's easy to get busy. And a lot of times we get too busy about the wrong kind of things, and we leave out the more important things. Today, we need to see the importance of living our life with Christ in our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you was to ask most parents today, what is the number one thing that you want for your children? I believe most parents would say, their happiness. I want my children to be happy, 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 happy. Some of you are pretty smart. You know I'm setting you up. So you're, you're sitting there like you're playing cards. You're being very cold-faced, stone-faced, like, yeah, I know where he's going. He's, he's getting ready to trick me. And yes, I am. Because happiness should not be one of your parenting goals. What do you mean? My kids can't be happy? Sure, kids can be happy, but there's more to life than just uh, this constant happy, 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 cotton candy, Dollywood, everything's fine, there's no responsibilities, life's awesome. Now, if you want to talk about joy, joy, on the other hand, is a good goal to have for your children. See, you cannot have true joy outside of knowing Christ and doing His will. Joy, as I learned it in Sunday school class, at the ages of the children that were in the youth choir this morning, is Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. I mean, if you was just to say, I need one parenting tip, I would use that. Jesus first. Others second, yourself last. I think that would help a lot of homes today because in a lot of homes, 
this fragmented family, this autonomy of self, self comes first, which is a sign of the last days where men shall be lovers of their own selves and their lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I also want to say this by way of introduction. I believe that more children are ruined then children that are raised right go astray. I really do. And in watching and observing these last 12 years as pastor, I believe that statement to be true. I didn't read that somewhere. That's a statement that I've come up with upon observation and study and watching how people, they have children that have great potential, but yet they're ruined. And those children never discover their potential. They never discover their self-worth. They never discover why God put them here. They might not even know that God put them here. And as we was talking yesterday, uh, I think it was Sister Jeannie's, uh, there, there's some children, uh, I think, on a ball team. And that child, he doesn't, he's never been to church here in America. He couldn't understand, I think, why uh, Brother Chris had picked up Harrison to go to church from ball practice. They're like, what's church? I've never been. That's a shame. That's a shame. And I got news for you. There's going to be a hard, harsh future for that child. I also believe that most parents' greatest fear for their children is their unhappiness. They don't ever want to see them unhappy. And we can't stand to see them unhappy to such a point that we let this fear of their unhappiness control how we raise them. And it keeps us from helping them discover their lifelong joy, which can only come from knowing Christ as their personal Savior. Our children, and I said this before, but I need to repeat it, they enter this danger zone, ages 17 to 27, and many decisions that they make, if they've not been properly prepared, they're going to make wrong ones. One that keeps coming to my mind, I don't know why, is the choice of jobs. And as fathers, you need to teach your children, especially your boy children, that their job or their field, because the Bible says you teach your young men to develop their field first. Then you begin to build a home. And he's talking about develop the field of work. As a young man, you need to be the breadwinner. That means you need a job that you can support yourself, you can support a wife, and you can support children. Now that's important. That's your job. And so that means working at McDonald's is not going to cut it for the rest of your life. You should not be looking, and your highest goal in life should not be to aspire to make McDonald's a career. It's a great first job, but McDonald's is not going to provide the four walls of priority in your life, which is what? Food, uh, shelter, uh, clothing, and transportation. And so this generation, you know what they've done? They said, I don't need to know how to drive. Mommy's going to take me everywhere because mommy is being controlled by the devil because she's so worried about my unhappiness that I can get her to do anything for me. So I don't need to drive. I don't need a driver's license. I don't need a job where I got to begin to provide for myself because you, moms and dads, have not begun to wean your children, especially your young men, when they get about 12, 13, 14, and begin to wean them off the bottle. They should know how to do their own laundry. <laughs> They should know how to do the dishes. They should know how to clean their own room and what's expected of them. They should be able to take the trash out without being told. And then they should know where their food's coming from. They should know something about gardening. They should know how a pork chop is made. And where does steak come from? It don't just magically appear in a store. Seriously, you need to ask your young men that. Where do you think food comes from? 
Where do you think your eggs come from? <laughs> Food City. I mean, duh. You know, let me Google this. <laughs> you better know where eggs come from. They come from chickens. And there's a farmer somewhere that's being beat up by the economy to try to produce eggs to sell them at wholesale to a store so they can mark the prices way up to sell them to you, and you think your eggs come from a grocery store. Young men need to know that the happiness in life is not found solely in a video game. I mean, come on now. Moms and dads, it's your responsibility to help them with that. Do not let fear of their unhappiness control you from teaching them what is right and wrong. And it would be far better to see momentary times of unhappiness so that they could live a life of joy in Christ. That's our problem. We want popcorn, we put it in a microwave. <laughs> because I don't want to have to put a little oil in a pan on a stove and wait on it. I want to hit a button. And it happens. But I got news for you though. There ain't no substitute for old-fashioned homemade popcorn, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, I put popcorn in the microwave, too, and I hit the button. But I'm telling you, it just don't taste quite right. Not like the kind mom and grandma used to make, and you all remember that. And so as our children... They enter this zone. We've, uh, uh, we've got them so sheltered from reality that everything's just happy. We've given them everything, and yet we've not given them the most important thing, which is Christ. And lo and behold, now the devil wants a piece of them. And if your children are currently in a public school system, I got news for you. He's got them five days out of the week. I don't, you need as parents need to know their teachers. I don't know about you, but I don't want no drag queen reading stories to my children. You say, well, why? Because as we're going to learn, it's an oppressor. Two, it's about recruitment, but it's about a pressure and an oppressor. And he wants them, this world wants children to become used to think that that's normal, that that's okay, so that they would never question that. I'm telling you, it was wrong 100 years ago. It was wrong 20 years ago. It's still wrong. And you need to prepare your children for that kind of oppression and the only way they're going to beat that is if Jesus is living inside of them. You see, in 2007, there was some facts gathered. 69% of Bible college graduates forsake their faith within the first 18 months of Bible school. They leave their faith. Now the Bible speaks of this in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, very plainly, very clearly. He says that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. They're going to leave their faith giving heed. They're going to be listening to something. They're going to be listening to what the Bible says is an oppressor. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So why is this happening? Children are not being prepared to face life and this oppressor. We as our parents... We're not leading our children to Christ. We are not helping them transition from information gatherers about God to relationship builders. Did you catch it? Now, some of our children that are in the youth choir, they're not saved yet. Some of them are under the age of accountability. And so they're protected, meaning if we get raptured out of here, they're going with us. Especially if, uh, uh, well, the Bible says if one of the two parents in that home are saved and your child's under the age of accountability, they go out. 
But right now, why it's important to have them in church, involved in the functions of the church, is they're information gatherers. They're learning about Christ. But the whole ideal is that one day the Holy Spirit, because they've been given enough information, will begin to speak to them and they will transition, the Bible calls it transform, to information gather, to relationship builder, and you will help them develop a relationship with God and the Comforter because they're going to need it. Because our text says that the problem with these people that are being oppressed by the oppressor is they had no comforter. And the worst thing you could do for your children and grandchildren is to see them raised and they never get saved and they never have the Holy Spirit living inside of there and they're going to have a miserable life. They're in for some rough times. They're going to need this comforter. This oppressor is a very wicked individual. Oppress means that there is pressure put on them from outside sources. Every day, if your children has access to the internet, if they have a smartphone, they need to be monitored. There's an oppressor trying to gain access to them to pollute their mind. Say, oh, I just believe my children need to have all that liberty to make up their own decisions. You're an ostrich. You got your head stuck in the sand. That's what's wrong. You're an ostrich. The devil wants your kids. Solomon here is pondering the emotional instability that comes from outside pressures. I have seen it firsthand. You got peer pressures. It's important who uh, your child's friends are. I mean, you don't want their friends to be devil worshipers. I would have a problem with that. There is family pressures. There's job pressures. There's husband pressures, wife pressures. There's, most of all, satanic pressures. And he says that this creates emotional instability. Ever just had so much pressure on you that you just begin to cry? You, I mean, there's, there's just tears because you're oppressed and there's no comfort. Hey, I've, I've been in situations like that, but I will tell you something. It's been really nice to know as bad of a situation I was in, I could begin to pray and I had a comforter. And so, yeah, I might have shed some tears, but they didn't last long. And because the sun was coming up in the morning, there was joy in the morning because I had a comforter. Your children, they need a comforter. The Bible is teaching us, and it says in our text that the power is on the side of the oppressor. So your children as they're little, are powerless. And we'll build upon last week's message. I said rules without relationships breeds rebellion. Now, I don't want you to think that rules are wrong. Rules are right. But rules need to be, one, reasonable, two, explainable, uh, three, biblically explainable, and, 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 and then uh, appealable. I mean, come on. Now, your child, they're born, and I'm, I'll prove this to you from Scripture. They don't have a comforter. They're under that age of accountability. And your job as a parent is to give them rules and guidelines to protect them because the oppressor is going to immediately begin to work on them and he wants them to trespass and to go places that God never intended for them to go and it's your job to protect them until they can start a relationship with Christ and to guide them till they're mentally mature enough to be able to act upon principle, not their emotion. Now I said a mouthful, take a little bit to digest that, but we must move on. I will say this, that you will never beat the oppressor from the outside in. 
Satan works on people from the outside in. God works on people from the inside out. I'll build on that in a little bit. So to beat this adversary, you need the Holy Spirit. And the only way to get this comforter is to get saved. So relationships are important. Life without Christ is meaningless. I've heard that phrase many times. And the, the phrase I'm talking about is, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand what's going on. I've heard that so much from people, especially young people. My life is meaningless. I know where that individual is headed. They're headed to suicide when they begin to speak at that level. And what's going on there on a spiritual level is they're being oppressed so hard and there's so much pressure on them that there's no other way to go and there's no comfort that can be had. You've heard people say, I do this, drug addicts do this, I do this to stop the pain. You say, what pain? The pain of the soul, the oppressor is putting pressure on them and there's pain. Sometimes this will come out into physical cuttings of people and they'll do weird things. They'll tattoo, that's a bleeding themselves. They'll pierce themselves. See all these piercings on people and they'll do these things because there's pain there. And they're trying to eliminate or to release the pain of the soul through the physical Oh, alcoholics will say that. I do this because I'm overwhelmed. That's another word for being oppressed so much that I don't know what to do. And the only thing I can do to get some peace is to drink myself into oblivion. That's what's going on. There's an oppressor and there's no comforter. Now that's Bible. So I don't believe that. Well, we can sit down and compare notes on how many people I've counseled and how much time I've spent in the Word of God studying versus how much time you've counseled and how many people you've worked with and how much time you've spent in study. Not that we're trying to compare who's smarter, but I am telling you, that's what's going on. And the longer you keep repeating what you've been doing, it's going to end up somebody getting hurt. There is an oppressor. That's why church is important. You hear me, I harp on it. Church is important. Of course I'm going to say it's important. I'm the pastor. Uh, of course I'm going to say tithing's right. But that's what the Bible says. Church is important. Every service is important. It's important if you say, well, I really don't get much out of it. But your children and your grandchildren need it. They need a comforter. Because there's some bad days coming. Sunday school is important. Learning about Christ. Do you know how many times that I've taken those little songs under moments of distress and the Holy Spirit recalls them to my mind and I'm singing Jesus Loves Me or I'm singing the B-I-B-L as an adult, a 53-year-old adult and then there's some comfort and a joy that overwhelms my soul and because I've submitted to God and I'm resisting the devil who is the oppressor, he's got to flee. Solid Christian home life is important. I can't out-preach you in the home. If your life in the home does not match up with the life in church, there's a problem. For the children's sake. Knowing more about God is not the same as having a relationship with God. And this life, you hear me? You're going to be managed by one of two beings. God or Satan. Without Christ, you're powerless against this oppressor. Take your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Now we've been here times before. 
but in a different capacity. It's a very important portion of Scripture because it talks about the latter days and it talks about spirits, voices, influencers. And the Bible says in verse 1, Beloved, speaking to the church, Believe not every spirit. Mm. You need to tell your children, don't believe everything that somebody tells you. Good rule of life. I mean, don't get in a car with a stranger. It's what my mom harped on that. She preached, shoved that down my throat. How dare her? <laughs> of course, as I got older, it don't happen no more. <laughs> Nobody wants me. I eat too much. <laughs> but as a child, you teach them, don't get in the cars with strangers. Don't take candy from a stranger. Why? Because <laughs> not everybody's nice. Well, there's a spiritual world, and not every spirit is nice. And they need to be taught not to pay heed to every little voice that might whisper in their little heart and tell them uh, uh, what they are or what they aren't. That's the problem with your generation. They got something whispering in the air and saying, well, I know you're biologically a boy, but you're a girl. You feel like a girl. And so we're dealing with this mess called transgenderism. It's another spirit whispering into that individual and pressing them and hurting them and it's it's putting that pressure to make them think that they are something that God didn't make them. And they don't know nothing about this oppressor or other spirits. They're powerless against it, and so it sweeps out across this land. Verse 4. Year of God, little children. And have overcome them. Now, who would he be overcoming? Well, if he was to back up the verses 1, 2, and 3, the spirits that are antichrist. Mm -hmm. Because greater is he that is in you, talking about the comforter, than he that is in the world. They are of the world. That's why the world loves what's going on. And the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirits. So Satan, he has a voice. He's the oppressor. He's the adversary. He's the deceiver. He's the one. This word oppression means to do violence. And Satan uses one of three tools to begin to apply pressure now, you need to think about this like a person trying to drive sheep or cattle. One of the things you learn about driving sheep or cattle is you don't want to push them too hard all at once because you'll scatter them. And so what you do is you apply just enough pressure on them to get them to go in the direction you want them to go in, letting them think they're discovering this direction on their own. Now, if that don't work, you change tactics and you get you the feed bucket out. That's why you use a feed bucket to feed cattle or sheep. And you, they know you put feed in this bucket. And so now, because you have a lure, an allurement, you'll be the cow's best friend. They know there's a little grain in there. And I've watched my grandfather go right out of the barn with a little feed in the bucket because we got to load them up, take a few to market. And man, they come in out of the field because corn is better than grass. And they come right on in. And you can lead them right on into a trailer. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But there's no sense in trying to get mean and hateful and hurtful with a bull. You don't want to do that because you're going to lose on that. And there's a story I could tell Maybe I will tell for the sake of enjoyment. There was a farmer who had a son up north where we come from who thought he knew everything. And he had raised this bull from a calf. And so it's come time to take this bull to market. And so the farmhands, 
Figured they would beat on this bull with tobacco sticks and slap on it. He got him mad. He was pinned up in the barn. And so they went down and got the farm boy, who was a man. I won't call his name because those people probably watch up from around that area. And I probably, brother, if Uncle Jack is watching this morning, which they generally do, he'd be laughing his head off because he knows what I'm getting ready to say because he's the one that told me. They went and got this man and said, hey, we can't get this bull loaded up in the trail to get him a trailer to get him to market. And he said, oh, that bull. He said, I've raised him from a calf. He's as sweet as can be. And they said, well, then you're going to have to show us. And so they go up there. He gets him a tobacco stick and he gets over that fence and he walks up to the bull and he said, hey, hey, come on down. He taps him on that head with that tobacco stick and that bull was already snot everywhere, dusty in there. He'd been clawing the ground. He hit him. He didn't hesitate. He didn't moo. He didn't beller. He was already mad. They was trying to separate him from the heifers. And he hit him and threw him up into the air. Well, the two farmhands were on the fence laughing at the homemade rodeo. And when he hit the ground, he took off, crawling all fours, and there was a side of the barn where it had a, 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 one of the barn sidings was missing. So there was a hole there, but not big enough to put a man through. And he took off for that because he could see daylight through there, and he needed out of there quick, and he was closer to there than the fence. And, of course, the farmhands are still on the fence laughing. He got in there. He's a big man. He got the first part of his body, got his head through, got his shoulders twisted through there, but he couldn't get the rest of himself through there. And the bull helped him through there. Hit him from the behind and forced him through there. Needless to say, that ended that. And so they had to do, they had to wait till the next day for that bull to cool down. And then, of course, the dad took a feed bucket, walked the bull right in. But see, the devil, he's going to work with you like that. He's going to lure you in. And he's going to use one of three methods to impress you with. Number one, the lust of the eyes. That's covetousness. Things I want but don't need. And a willingness to do whatever it takes to get them. To the lust of the flesh. Things I want to do instead of things I should do as in responsibilities. Sometimes dads fall into that. They want to do what they want to do, but they don't want to do their responsibility. A lot of times because they weren't taught responsibility because their parents were too concerned about their happiness. Instead of teaching them and preparing them for this oppressor. And of course the pride of life. Who I want to be. How I'm perceived by others. Sometimes parents fall into that. And the devil manages them because you worried about how you look in front of others. You see, these three tools Satan will use to manage us. If we'll let him. Satan's, here's his goals, this oppressor. He calls mental torment tears from the oppression. He'll set you on a course away from God, always. A lot of times young ladies fall into this trap. But I love him. <laughs> Is he making you stronger for God? No, but I'll win him to Jesus. You'll be out of church. Watch out. I'll change him. Yeah. The odds are against that. Trust me. The odds of the people that I sit down with, that never happens outside of a miracle. So Satan wants to lead you away from God. He wants to isolate you 
A lot of people, when they're going through this, they want to isolate. Isolation's not a good thing. We're made for companionship. He'll isolate you to shipwreck you and ruin you. And he's going to deceive you into thinking that you're okay. You got this. And then die and go to hell. Now, the next point, and I'm about done. I want to ask you a question. Who's managing you right now? Either as an adult or a child. As an adult, if you have children, you're to be managing them. You're to help them. You're to manage them because the devil wants to manage them. So how do I know when the devil's trying to manage them? Take your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. And so the question is, who is managing you right now in your life? Galatians chapter 5. Now, remember, the devil works from the outside in. And so the Bible says this in Galatians. Verse 17, 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh, it lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Okay, so you're in battle. You, you as parents and grandparents need to... Let your children know there's going to be a battle. You don't always do what you want. There's responsibilities that come first. You've got to teach them that. They don't know that. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh. So here's the symptoms of a person who's being managed by the devil. They're manifest. See, these are the symptoms, Okay. Which are these? Adultery. If you're living in adultery, you're being managed by the devil. Fornication, you're being managed by the devil. Uncleanness and lasciviousness, you're being managed by the devil. Idolatry, remember, rebellion is as the sin of idolatry, you're being managed by the devil. Witchcraft, straight up, being managed by the devil. Hatred, you know somebody who just hates everything, hates all the time? You ever hear your children say, I hate you! I wouldn't let them get away with that. That is a spanking offense. You want to know why? They're straight up being managed by the devil. You say, how do you know? How do I know that my uric acid levels are too high in my body? I get a little symptom called gout. How do I know if my <laughs> fat content's too high in my blood? I got a little thing called cholesterol. And when they do the labs, there, there is some side effects. The triglycerides and all those other ites. They begin to go to war and they clog arteries. And they tell me biscuits and gravy are bad for you. Jeannie was trying to help Brother Terry and I out yesterday about that. Brother Terry laying in a hospital bed, thinking he's having a heart attack, clogged arteries. We're talking about a biscuit and gravy breakfast here at the church. Instead of a chili cook-off, biscuit and gravy cook-off. What a conversation. This poor man's laying there probably due to clogged arteries. And him and the preacher, we're having us a good time. Sister Jeannie's trying to be the voice of reason. I'd like you boys to stick around for a while. You need to get used to eating a little oatmeal with black walnuts and raisins. They're good for you. Jeannie, I hate that kind of preaching. But she's right. We're being managed. <laughs> the wrong thing, let's read on. Hatred, variance, emulation, wrath. Oh, I'm just mad all the time. I hate people. Or I hate this. Or I don't like this. You're being managed by the devil. Strife, always in fights. Seditions. Rising up against mom and dad, you know, sedition. <laughs> Heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness. You're being managed by the devil. That is the spirit that is in you. That is managing you and controlling you. We'll say, Brother Gabbard, 
what happens if I'm being managed by God? Let's read on. But the fruit of the Spirit. So the manifestation, how you tell if someone's being managed by the Holy Spirit, is love. Now that's a God-like love. Unconditional love. Joy. There's that word joy. Jesus first, other second, yourself last. That's when you're being managed by God. Peace. There's that word peace again. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, and meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, when you're being managed by God, they've crucified the flesh. Yes. With the affections and lusts. Why? They will not allow the oppressor to manage them through the three lures, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, to oppress them, and they'll begin to manifest these symptoms in their life. And the Bible's clear on this. Now take your Bible. It's not in the notes, but we need to go there. 1 Corinthians 6, because I said something about being deceived. 1 Corinthians 6. Who's managing you? Verse 9. Knowing not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived. He tells you, do not be deceived. This is probably why your pastor, when you try to convince me that someone that is being managed by the devil is saved, and I'm telling you, they're not saved. You're deceived, they're deceived, I ain't deceived. The spirit of wickedness is working in them and oppressing them to the point of tears and the symptoms are manifesting. And everybody's worried about the happiness. Now I'm worried about the comforter. And they need a comforter. They need Jesus. Because you go on down and he, co he covers this list again. And he gets on... Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate. That's men that want to act like women. Nor abusers themselves with mankind. Homosexuality. It's you're being managed by the devil. Nor thieves. You're a thief. You can't be trusted. You're being managed by the devil. Nor covetous. Being managed by the devil. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. He said, you... You in time past had been managed by the devil. But you got saved. You got a comforter. And such were some of you. And so God's working on the inside out. And he's going to begin to transform you and to conform you to the image of Christ. And that can only begin if you start a relationship with Jesus. So who's managing you? Straight up, the Bible's real clear. There is no debate. There's no gray. There's, there's, no, there's no room for clutch slippage. Like, oh, preacher. Now, I'm not saying that Christians can't do some of these things. I got it. But they'll know they've done wrong. And they'll go the other way to correct it and never fall down there again. Why? Because they got a comforter. And the Holy Spirit knits with their spirit. You ever hear people say, I'm dead. I've tried to pray. I've tried to read my Bible. I come to church. And they, they, they're very uncomfortable. I'm going to explain to you why. I pray in this church building. And I start back there at the front door. That anybody who is not right with God and is living a lie or being managed by the devil that they fall under such Holy Spirit conviction that they are uncomfortable until they repent and get right. I've been told many times, I don't come down there because I'm uncomfortable. That's really. Well, they didn't know what kind of day that made my day. You want to know why? It means God's answering my prayer. I'm not going to feed you sugar. Not all the time. I'm not going to give you a bunch of fluff. There is a devil and he's an oppressor. 
and he wants our children and he wants this next generation and he wants to manage them and you need to step up into your role and begin to manage your children by giving them rules and boundaries and teaching them that Jesus needs to be first in their life. And so when Christ comes and he calls on and knocks on their heart's door, they'll accept him and they will have a fighting chance because greater is he, that was in 1 John 4, that is in you than he that is in the world. So let me ask it this way. Are you overcoming or is something overcoming you? If you're being overcome, it's a good indication that there's no overcomer inside of you. No Holy Spirit, no comforter. And the power will always be on the side of the oppressor. And you need your children to be prepared for the oppressor. They're being bombarded today like never before. Your children are having to face and endure things and they're seeing things that we never even thought of when we grew up. If you want them to have a fighting chance, they're going to need Jesus. A life without Christ is meaningless and you'll be a ship with a broken sail on the sea of life being pushed about by every wind voice of the devil wherever he wants to push you and drive you and you will never never do anything good in this life because you're powerless against the oppressor and you need christ church is that important jesus is that important the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, is that important. It's more important than anything else in your children's life. And I would be totally okay with some momentary times of unhappiness. I don't want to go to church. You're going anyway. Why? Because you know they're going to need a comforter to help them against the oppressor. They don't want to go to the dentist either. They don't want to go to the doctor either. They don't want to go to school either. They don't want to clean their room either. They don't want to eat their veggies either. What do you do about that? How come none of those kids when they grow up never complain about being made to do that, but they'll complain about having been made to go to church? That's because they're being managed by the devil. That's why. Why don't people want to come to church? Why is there no desire? They're being managed by the devil. There's the wrong spirit in there. And why can they not get a grip over these addictions? Why do we have this crisis of homelessness and drug addictions? Those people are being oppressed and managed by the devil. They need a comforter. Let's stand this morning. Song of invitation, please.